Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Jim, welcome to the Sunny Side Up podcast hosted by Demand Matrix. We are so happy to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing excellent. My pleasure to be here. Great, Jim. So do you want to begin by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Sales Mastery? What does it do? What's the core service it offers its clients? Well, yes, I'm currently the research fellow at Sales Mastery, and and we're a firm that's going out and analyzing what are the challenges facing sales teams, why those problems exist. But more importantly, we're looking at what's the next generation of solutions look like for optimizing sales, marketing, and customer support performance. And so we're going now, especially looking at artificial intelligence and trying to get ideas from companies who are on the early adopters of that, of how is that changing the way they're engaging with customers. Absolutely. So do you want to tell the audience a little bit about the books you've co-authored, the Sales and Marketing Excellence Challenge and uh, the Information Technology Challenge? Yeah, it's really interesting because those two books were specifically focused on going out and interviewing other executives, you know, talking to VPs of marketing, VPs of sales, CEOs, and having them tell their story about how they were engaging their customers differently. In addition to that, we publish a whole lot of research reports every year on specific topics. A lot of people have read this stuff I did with CSO Insights, which I founded 20 years ago, to just go out Mm -hmm. and again, say, what are the trends in technology and training and process, et cetera, that also people are implementing? Do you want to share a little bit about a typical day at work? What's that like for you? (laughs) Well, I don't know there's a typical day, but I, I seem to do two things when I look at what I really do. I spend part of my time looking for answers and part of my time sharing answers. And by that, I mean, we do a lot of work where we go out and if we see a new technology coming into the marketplace or a new consulting company or whatever, we try to find out what do they do? How do they do it? What's their value proposition, et cetera? And then we spend a lot of time with CMOs, CSOs, you know, really giving them feedback on, okay, what are the challenges that you're trying to face? And here's somebody who's already done that. You know, so maybe talking to a bank, but we've got a company who's a manufacturing firm who solved that specific problem of maybe minimizing customer churn. And we try to tell them how they went about doing that. So really trying to get them the answers that they need to go and set their strategies for what they want to do going forward for their own optimization. Absolutely. That sounds very interesting and very relevant, given that, uh, you know, B2B sales today, especially in the technology market, has its own set of challenges and uh, it's evolving in a very rapid way. A lot of questions, a lot of predictions. So can you talk about some of the core B2B marketing and sales trends you're seeing today? What are the trends, especially that your customer base currently focuses on to achieve better ROI? I think one of the major trends we're seeing, and it's coming because people are getting access to better data, is going through and saying, look, Our objective in marketing in the B2B world is not to be all things to all people. It's to be all things to all important people. So what do those important people look like? And I think what we're seeing people do is invest time and effort in saying, let's talk about what our ideal uh, prospect looks like. Are there specific industries Mm -hmm. we're better in than others? Are there specific geographies we have a better presence in than others? Are there specific competitors that we should go after because we win all the time or that we should avoid? And also go down to specific thing of who are the people within inside those companies I should be interacting with, the specific roles that we need to be touching in order to get in the door. And I think the more we do that analysis, we start to realize that all prospects are not created equal. And if we could go in and find those attributes where on day one, we've got a higher propensity to win because of certain attributes, we're going to be doing a much better job of pointing our sales teams 
at the right accounts and the right people within those accounts to go after. Absolutely. Persona-based marketing is what the requirement is today to get someone's attention. So we will come to that in a bit. But first, at Sales Mastery, recently you guys had a survey. You surveyed 450 companies. Can you name some of these companies? And your survey, I think, was about the role, if any, that AI for sales is playing in their respective companies. So do you want to share some of your findings with the audience? Yeah, well, uh, we actually can't name names because we tell everybody when they fill out the surveys that their individual responses will be unique. But about a third of the companies were large international enterprises, about a third were major corporations, and about a third were in the SMB space. So we tried to get a good cross-section. And we also slightly biased the data because I wanted a third of the companies to have implemented AI, a third of the companies to be evaluating it, and a third of the companies to have no interest. And that's clearly not you know, how the market reflects the marketplace today. In terms of early adopters, it's a low 1%. In terms of companies who are implementing, it's in the low teens. But based on getting the data from people who have already started to utilize these capabilities, we think that's going to accelerate dramatically because the results they're getting are just off the charts. Absolutely. So in the B2B marketplace, let's come to the strategies that you focus on at Sales Mastery for your clients. In the B2B marketplace, what are the best strategies for tech marketing teams to generate consistent pipeline and shorten sales cycles? Yeah, I think the real thing is going out and I had a friend named Mike Lodato. He taught down at Cal Lutheran University, he had an MBA course. And he said, you got to understand that people make decisions based on personal payback and then they justify it based on what's good for the organization. And so I think as we go in and start looking at things, you know, whenever we're talking to a prospect or even an existing customer and trying to enrich our relationship with them, we're trying to introduce change into what they're doing. You know, we're asking them to make a do things a different way. And so I think we've got to go back and really do the job as marketeers of going in and saying, what's that person? You know, what role are they playing in finance, in technology, in HR, whatever it is? And really start thinking about it from their perspective. And I think building our messages around, here's what's in it for you. And also Mm -hmm. here's what's going to be good for your company. But, you know, have that personalized message out there. It really says, this is something that you should back because this is a way to, do your job better to get the right level of, of visibility within your company, whatever it is. But it's it's looking for that personal payback for this person to want to get behind you and your products. Absolutely. So obviously, I'm sure you've, you've worked on account-based marketing campaigns, account-based selling campaigns. So as, uh, And obviously, persona-based marketing and everything that you just said is key. It, these are all key elements in a typical ABM campaign, in a typical ABM cadence. So according yeah. to you, how many touch points would you suggest a typical tech marketing team have in their ABM campaigns? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think people talk about touch points. They use the term two different ways. So one is, You know, a touch point is, okay, we've got a a LinkedIn ad. We've got a company page up on Twitter. You know, we've got a landing page on our website. Those are all various touch points in terms of a way of engaging someone. And then there's the whole thing of really number of touches. How often should Mm -hmm. I be tapping somebody on the shoulder and trying to get to them? Because the odds of me coming to you right now, Param, and saying, hey, I got something new for you to talk about. And that's great. I've got some spare time right now. Let's go in and investigate that. None of us has spare time. So right. I've got to be you know, coming yeah. to you when you've got time and you've got a problem that I can help you solve. So in regards to the first thing on types of touch points, I think we've got to be looking at every possible touch point. You know, some people mm-hmm. like going into LinkedIn and talking to groups and getting advice. Some people like doing their own web-based research and going on out. Some people like to attend webinars. 
or download white papers or whatever. So I think we've got to have all of those bases covered, but we've also got to have a cadence of touches where we're going in and not annoying somebody, but staying top of mind with the person. And I think that's a fine balance to go down because we don't want to be having something show up in their email every single day because eventually they're just going to block us. But we've got to go back and again, be exactly. giving them new and unique messages on an ongoing basis. So they want to talk to us when they've got time to deal with the problem that we solve. So obviously, hyper-personalization plays a key role in all of this. And it's obviously now need of the hour in the B2B marketplace, especially. What are your top takeaways when it comes to formulating ABM strategies, given all of this? You know, I think the major thing is that we spend a lot of time doing analysis of sales intelligence and marketing intelligence about who is it that we want to engage with. I think we've got to do an equal amount of analysis of why would they want to engage with us? Is you know, What do we know that they don't mm-hmm. know? What customers have we worked with that are solving problems that they'd be interested in hearing about how we help somebody else do something? And I think we've got to be Absolutely. arming our, our marketing teams with those messages. Because today, when I reach out to somebody and I send an email, I better have a really compelling piece of information in the subject line because there's too, just too many of us who start the day going into our email. We don't recognize where it came from. We go delete, 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 delete without reading it. Now, when we're getting phones and numbers showing up on our phones, especially if it's a cell phone and we don't recognize it, we don't answer it. So there better be a real compelling voicemail that somebody's leaving. And I think we've got to just realize that, you know, we've got to earn the right to be engaging people. So in addition to knowing who we want to engage, we better do a really good job of analysis on why they would want to engage with us and use that as the way to build the marketing campaigns to go after new and existing prospects. That's pretty interesting. It's very insightful. So according to you, what are the biggest mistakes B2B tech marketers should avoid when implementing their new marketing strategies? And more importantly, what are some of the biggest lags that you see in B2B sales today when you're speaking with your customers? I'm not doing a really good job of going in and analyzing what are the factors that contributed to our success? You know, a lot of companies will do sell cycle reviews after they've mm-hmm. you know, won or lost a deal. And they'll go and say, what are all the things that we did? that contributed to you know, us winning the deal or, or contributed to us losing the deal. But that's from our perspective. I think also being able to go in and interview customers, whether we won, whether we lost, or whether it ended up as a no decision, and find out, what did you guys do? Who actually came up with a reason for you to want to start a project in this area to begin with? And who was on the project team? And what were their personal goals and, and abilities on those things? And you know, did you guys see a demo? Was it a standard demo or a custom demo? Did you go to a webinar? You know, was it, you know, what interests you the most? And really go out and let the customers give us insights into here's the best way to reach somebody like me. Mm-hmm. And I think we could start doing that and really get free consulting from the people we're trying to sell to. I think that's one of the mistakes that we've been making is we're not doing that now. Second thing is I was just on the phone with a client the other day and they're talking about, you know, we want to do a much better job of penetrating our existing customer base. So we're putting together all these marketing programs. And I said, what role is uh, customer support playing in this project? And he said, customer support, they're not playing any role. And I said, what do you mean? Uh-huh. Said, well, we're, we're going to send out these emails. We've got some ideas for some webinars. And I said, you do realize that you have customer support people talking to customers every single day. I mean, the customer's calling them. And in most cases, your customer support people are measured based on how fast can I resolve this person's question or problem and get them off the phone so I can take the next one. I said, that's insane. Because we've got, you know, business development reps 
trying to get hold of these people, trying to get these guys to talk on the phone and having really bad luck. I said, you've got to involve customer support in there. And so customer support ought to be one of the arrows in marketing's quiver in terms of getting the message out there because they're talking to people every single day that you want to be reaching with these messages. Yeah. And a lot of times there is a big disconnect between what the sales team is doing and whether or not there's any customer success involved. I have not seen customer success being involved often, though. So that's very interesting input. (laughs) So the next question, what MarTech sales tech products and why, according to you, would gain more attention in 2019 for the rest of the year? Yeah, when we did our study and we were talking to people about what are you doing with AI, the number one thing they were focused on was AI for lead generation optimization. So doing, you know, Mm -hmm. opportunity scoring, doing better market segmentation, doing lead scoring and lead nurturing. I think those are all great use cases. But one of the things we're seeing pick up interest is doing this whole activity analysis and in terms of what actually happened during the sell cycle. So there are AI tools today that are going out and tracking that lead all the way through the sales process till either it falls out of the funnel or it closes. And you start to see where all the touch is. You know, where were the emails going back and forth between the salesperson and the customer? What was the wording the tone of the wording that they were using. Were they using positive comments when their customer was talking to us or were they using our competitors' comments? What did that look like? And, you know, in terms of the actual meetings, you know, we're on a web conferencing system right now. There are systems that are actually recording and transcribing those conversations, which is nice. But the second thing that they do is they start analyzing those conversations. So I can go back Mm -hmm. and look across these things and say, when did pricing come up? In the process. And by the way, who brought it up? Did the salesperson bring it up or did we bring it up? And I think that's going to be one of the things that people really do, because if all of a sudden I could capture the voice of the customer from what they said on a webinar, you know, web meeting, what they said in an email going back and forth, et cetera, what content they're consuming and, you know, how often did they share it with other people? We're going to get much better insights into how to go get the next set of prospects. And I think that that's really what AI does is it crunches numbers. It analyzes things. It's bringing math to the whole art of sales. And I think once we get the voice of the customer can share it back across the rest of the enterprise, not just sales and marketing, but everybody's going to be better informed about what to do to meet the customer's needs. Absolutely. Jim, you shared some very interesting insights with our audience today. And uh, we thank you for taking this time and spending it with us and participating in the Sunny Side Up podcast. We'll be happy to have you back again. Maybe we'll have a debate next time on the friction between sales and marketing, which is all too prevalent in B2B today. And maybe we'll talk about the best ways, yeah, the best ways for teams to stop that from happening. (laughs) But before we end for today, are there any other key takeaways and words of advice you'd like to share? You know, just one thing that I'd like to talk about is the fact that I think when we take a look at what are the performance improvements we need in marketing or sales or whatever, is we start making a list of everything. And I think really when we talk about transformation in marketing or in sales, it's not about doing everything one or two percent better. It's about doing one or two things an order of magnitude better than another one or two things. And Mm -hmm. I think we make a list of all the things we could fix. And then we took a look at them based on a two by two matrix on the vertical, analyzed what would be the impact on performance if we solved this problem, if we did a better job of lead conversion, if we did a better job of lead nurturing, what do we think the impact would be on overall company performance, low to high? And then analyze what's our ability to pull off that initiative from low to high. And we go back through and say, let's go look at things that have a high impact and a high probability of success. And let's go pick one or two of those and do a really great job of it and then come back and pick another one or two and then another one or two. 
Because when mm-hmm. we take a look at companies over the last decade that are best in class at really continuously operating performance, it's a phased approach and it's going and solving you know, one or two problems at a time. And I think that's a, a message that all of us could learn from. Absolutely. That's very relevant, especially today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for spending your time with us. And I uh, hope you have an amazing day ahead. Thank you. And you too.